So we're at 30 minutes, and we haven't talked about the oh, topic boy. yet. So, hey, you want to talk about what we're you drinking? You actually want to hit it up? Yeah, sure, why not? Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Well, well, well. My, my, my. Well, well, well. Let's take a I'm hitting the high life again. Nice. Miller high life. So I and drank I a, some Jethro um, tea boots. Uh, oh, you got some of that too? Well, that's in the closet. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's in the closet. It's in my like, recording you know, studio. <laughs> it's in the closet, you know, like an alcoholic. But, you know, it's just. <laughs> well, okay, there's that. It's not in all the. Of- I keep all of my alcohol just, you know, in, in the in the, in the little, uh, you know, under the sink. In the bathroom. cubby. It's not it's not in the, uh, what's it called? The, the, uh, tank. the tank of the toilet. <laughs> like where they hide the cocaine. <laughs> where they hide the cocaine. So I had a, um, a Belching Beaver Deftones Phantom Bride, which is... Uh, you know, it's a it's from Belching Beaver, which Belching Beaver is pretty good. Like they do that, um, they do that stout, the peanut butter stout. Yes, I love it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then uh, they did this. This is an IPA, and uh, based off of um, a Deftone song called Phantom Bride, and uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good for an IPA. It was interesting um, because it has what, what, how many different hops here? Like four different kinds of hops in this thing and um and it had a kind of a citrus finish finish on it so oh this is the one i had at your house yes yeah that's the one did you like yeah. it yeah i did i did and i do not like ipas right it's not uh, yeah like it cause some ipas are like you know sandpaper dank. yeah <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh Real- and this one's pretty good yeah, real quick. I know how pretentious you are by how many IP, IBUs you try to make it out. Oh, this is this many IBUs. There's 450 <laughs> IBUs. So it is that powerful and awesome. And I'm like, Bleh. Right. How many? What is this IBUs on this thing? I don't even know if this is listed somewhere. Yeah. But they make it out like, you know, like if you're more of a man because you can handle it. Well, you know. More yeah, of a man drinking silly. turpentine. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this one was good, um, and I finished that. So now I'm just on a Guinness. Good old Guinness. Good old Guinness, my go-to. A happy <laughs> little, happy little Guinness. I used to drink a lot of Guinness. I love know, Guinness in my younger years. Still my favorite beer. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking about? Well, we thought of, what's it called? We got a news article from our good friend Aaron, who, uh, please listen to our episode, what, 22? Right. Or That was the Godfather one. The Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah, it was the one. That, what was the, I went to the wrong, crap, I went to the wrong mass. Crap, I went to the wrong mass. <laughs> Yeah. Which I realize is what you said during the, the thing. I know. I don't usually use my quotes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I say that all the time. Ah, yeah. David Except said it. Time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, please listen to Crap, I Went to the Wrong Mass, Godfather Specialty. Oh, and I do like that you threw in the uh, musical stings from the Godfather movie. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, because it's literally like you're listening you're listening to me do the music, and then you actually play the music. And then I'm like, yeah, I got it pretty good. <laughs> he did. He did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, okay. So, um, Aaron uh, shared... Uh, keep hitting my mic sorry eric shared an, a news article that showed that up in i think santa rosa diocese they were uh trying to do an exorcism on a site where they had a protest what an excellent day for an exorcism 
That was San Francisco. Oh, I thought it was up in Santa Rosa. Well, nope. It's north of. Oh, okay. Because it was it was Cordelion. The the bishop. Yeah, that's Archbishop Cordelion. Is the uh, um, oh, is the Archbishop of for the San for Francisco? The, yeah. Oh, we got to we report to him. We report to him. That's right. Because yeah. that's our dude. Just to let you know, the Las Vegas Diocese is under the what the eparchy of the liturgical. Is it called an eparchy? eparchy? In the West? Oh, I think maybe. it just called it archdiocese, and then uh, I don't even know if I don't even know if it goes further. Than Ecclesi- that. No, ecclesiastical province. That makes more sense. That's it. Eparchies are dioceses, Eastern dioceses. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ecclesiastical province. I think is is. That sounds that. plausible. Yeah, and the idea is that's like that's like the state, and the diocese is like the county. That works. So yeah. yes. So Vegas, Reno, which is all in Nevada, and uh, Salt Lake City, which is all of Utah. Yeah. About half the northern half, so there's probably about ten dioceses or so of California, California, and Hawaii are all under the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Doesn't make any sense, but that's where we're at. No, it makes it well. If you want to use the history lesson, the the Hawaii, I'm not sure about, but the um, San Francisco and Reno had a lot of ties because right. of using you know where the I-80 is now, back to freeways. Yeah. You know that was the whole thing, and for a long time, uh, Reno, Sparks, Virginia City, Carson City was all of Nevada. You know, all the old cowboy shows and stuff, that was Nevada. So everything flows there. And then when we actually started up Las Vegas, which is really kind of, you know, more connected to Los Angeles. But statewide, we're connected to northern Nevada. So a lot of stuff that has to do with Reno or, you know, with Nevada is connected to northern California. Like when you have Auto Club AAA, you have California... Auto Club, Nevada Division. But that California Auto Club is Northern California because there's a separate one called Southern California Auto Club. So just to throw that in, not to get too crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still think whenever we um, whenever we split Reno and Reno and Las Vegas back in 95 or whatever. Yeah, 95. Yeah. It could have been pretty – Pretty simple, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how all that stuff works. In oh, in, what that we could then just jump on to L.A. Right, right, because that makes sense to me, um, and I don't understand why that wasn't a thing. I also don't understand why Utah's lumped in with us. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Because nobody but, wanted it. Because nobody wants Utah. Sorry, hey, San Francisco, Utah. you don't got anything going on. <laughs> Watch <you> take Utah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So, what did he do? Uh, that's what I'm asking. Oh, they, oh! So yeah, he performed he, an exorcism. They did the uh, what was it? <laughs> I guess they. Oh, did I not put that part in yet? Oh I crap! I, I got so, so straight. We yeah, apparently, yeah, it was an exorcism, but like on no, I said that on the on the grounds where the protest took place. Right where they desecrated the which uh, seems uh, funny. statue of Junipero Serra. Because yeah. I didn't know you can exercise. Land. Oh, yeah. So what happened was, uh, so you got to remember, like, whenever we're talking about demons, we're ta- all we're talking about is fallen angels. So the hierarchy that exists in, the la- in um, angels mm-hmm. exists in demons, right? And so um, in angels, there is a, um, like, an angel of a city. Or an angel of uh, of a, a nation or whatever, right? You know, you have your your guardian angel for those things, and the same exists for uh, uh, the level of demon. And so you have like just depending on where they are, fall in the hierarchy. And so you can have um, a demon who is uh, taking over, or who is possessing, or who is oppressing a particular city or a particular place. Um, and that's more like uh, like what you would call like a infestation or a haunting or something like that. But um, 
or uh, demonic oppression is more like a psychological thing but um (laughs) but that idea of like there's a demonic presence in this place not in this person but yeah or like a cursed object you think of the movie um what was annabelle annabelle right yeah with the doll right and that's based off of an actual cursed object right so yeah so um yeah that's uh it's it's actually quite common and the prayer that he prayed um was not like it wasn't an actual rite of exorcism uh, well i guess it is kind of but the rite of exorcism the ritual itself is for possessed persons and what he did is he prayed the long form of the saint michael the archangel prayer oh. and he did it in latin um, so there's two forms of the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. There's a short form that everybody has memorized, you know, the St. Michael the Archangel defendants in battle, be the protection against the there, you know, that. And then there's a long form um, that Pope, uh, Pope Leo XIII had written that was reserved only for bishops. So only bishops are meant to say it, and it's supposed to be used in connection for an exorcism of a place. So he mm. actually – he said the right prayer for the particular instance. And so it's interesting that uh, – um, that uh, a somebody in his diocese knew that because I had to look that up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know there was a long form, and I didn't know we did an exorcism of a place like I said before. Now I've seen poltergeist when they said this house is clean, but <laughs> but you know, and and like we were talking about, like you know, you know, casting demons out of places. But yeah, that makes sense. All right, so then this leads into like. Um... Like what we what we were talking about of like you sent me a bunch of stuff after this, talking about um, uh, places. So yeah, so he did that because of like the uh, um, yeah the why desecration, did he do it? right? Because there was a desecration that happened there. So whenever you um, the Saint Hinipro Sarah was desecrated there, he was smashed and and all that there. Um, the statue, in, the statue, not uh, him. And so that's. Not him. You know, he's 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 in heaven. But that's a, that's um, a desecration of a sacred object. It's a it's um, a consecrated building. It's a consecrated statue, um, consecrated to the Lord for the point of drawing people to to Jesus, right? And that that thing has now been desecrated. An e- an evil, a great evil, has occurred there, right? And so, uh, because the great evil has because a great evil has occurred there. He chose to perform an exorcism there uh, to banish any evil that remains, to, to rebuild off of kind of a clean slate. Think of it like a um, – think of it like going to confession, right? When we mm-hmm. go to confession, we are cleansing ourselves of evil that we had done, right? And this was an exorcism of an evil that was done to a place. You know, it was like we need to we need to clean this place up uh, so that way we can rebuild in a uh, in a way that's uh, you know starting out on a good foot, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Now, was so this statue pers- was actually uh, a consecrated statue, huh? Yeah. Was it a, a, in the church? Um, I think it was outside the church. Was it like uh, church property? See. Yeah, it was. It was on the church, like leading in, because it was. It was uh, not the namesake of the church, but it was. I mean, like most of the churches in San Francisco have an Ipposero somewhere, right? Um, but he did the same thing at the uh, cathedral um, in San Francisco. Uh, they didn't. Um, they didn't. Uh, they didn't smash the Ipposero that's there because it's too large, but they did deface him. And so he had that cleaned up, and he did the same kind of thing there too. And now I'm getting a lot of uh, what's it called? You get a lot of these uh, conflicting stories here about him. Cody Leonce. So why or Hinipero Sarah? Yeah. The the Sarah Saint Sarah. Okay. Okay. What yeah. are you getting? Well, because you hear well, well the. They're saying that, you know, the reason why everybody's defacing his statue, because apparently they were saying that they were, you know, he was mistreated the native people of California, the Native American people of that area or whatnot. And 
then you hear on from the church saying that, no, he didn't mistreat them. He was an advocate for them when the Spanish were, you know, treating them poorly. Right. I think the, um, I think the conflation comes in the nature of the missions. So the missions that he established were the were, were built to be a bridge. They're meant to be a bridge of the Spaniards to um, the Native Americans that are there, and obviously, you know, to promote the to promote the gospel and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the the ultimate end of the of the mission was for the mission to be handed over to the people, and so the the end of the mission would be uh, like. Uh, so we we end over the mission and we hand it over to now these this group of people who's in charge of the mission, right? And so these missions that be, had the name uh, that were established by Junipero Serra uh, and kind of bore his identity, uh, then say sixty years later or a hundred years later or something like that, probably not a hundred, maybe like eighty years or whatever, um, now have bear his name and bear his fingerprint. But other people that are in charge are doing horrendous things for them. They're they're kind of secularized and um, they're treating the um, uh, the uh, uh, the Native Americans poorly and stuff like that. Because all the reports that you get for like uh, the Native Americans being treated poorly or being discriminated discriminated against uh, from the missions comes from right uh, comes from the early to mid nineteenth century. But Hinipero Serra died in like 1780 something or whatever, you know, and so like these are long after his death, um, but the missions itself remained and kind of bore his stamp. And because the people that took over or the people that it was handed to mistreated the people there, um, Hinipero Serra was the guy getting blamed for it. Yeah, because that's not how they're saying it. They're not saying. These right. these this discrimination and mistreatment is happening in the 1800s. They're saying that he did it, or he was one who sat there and, and forced these people to make these missions and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, not to my knowledge. I mean, if there if there is actual history for, to that, I haven't seen uh, other than like other than like people on Twitter or whatever. Well, that's the talking thi- about this. Right. Yeah, so you get a lot of these, you know, advocates for the native people saying that this guy's a monster and even other people who've been, you know, complaining about the statues in in Ventura, California and stuff like that because there's the mission there also. But like their right. city hall had it and everything and but um but, you know, and then then you read then you read in the article that, you know, that's what they're saying and that's why they're trying to get rid of these statues and then blah, 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 blah. And then you see that the cities, of course, fall to the will of the mob and they're like, oh, well, we'll take down the statue because apparently it offends you so much. And then <laughs> then you hear the other counter argument where they're like, well, the church always says that he was a very nice guy and did this. And then it's like, well, my problem is I can't really I don't want to say I can't believe it, but the problem is. You know, when you get the people who go, oh, well, this is our dude, so we think he was good. You know, it's like, well, of course you're going to say that. So if the church is the one defending him, well, the church is the church. And so it's like not saying that it's not the church. I mean, you know, not that they're saying not saying that they're liars, but more like saying, well, the problem with that is I would like a third source. I know that's that's always a struggle. So, um Unfortunately, I don't know a third source off of this one. Um, however, I can I can kind of show a precedent of history where this kind of happens. Um, so uh, there's this book. It's called um, uh, "Bearing False Witness." I just finished it a little while back, uh, and it was written by a non-Catholic historian, and the guy's name was Rodney Stark. And basically what he did is he went through um, history uh, of, like, things that that people believe are true about the Catholic Church that just aren't um, and that were primarily uh, propagated by people who are opposed to the Catholic Church and everybody else just believed them. Like, 
he goes through like um uh monsters like like the 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 stuff about the inquisition um like stuff about crusades um stuff about uh anti-semitism uh slavery and, and all, all that kind of stuff and he shows uh, from history from a third party perspective because he's not catholic third party perspective that a lot of stuff that people just generally believe about the catholic church like they killed thousands of people in the inquisition or whatever like that stuff's just not true <laughs> and that there were individual monsters um in in scenarios here none of which were um uh were sanctioned by the church and in most of the times those people were actually actively um uh, uh sought after or, or uh, judgment was brought upon them by the church like in the, especially like in the cases of the inquisition where you know you had to bring in outside or the where the um where italy uh, the the holy father in rome actually brought in outside people to uh, set right messed up things that were actually happening in spain and say hey this this is not um this is not okay and so the inquisition actually was the other way around where it was, it was the Catholic Church investigating particular priests and bishops um, for wrongdoings or alleged wrongdoings um, and stuff like that, um, you know. So that that kind of stuff. And so there's there's quite a long history of the church being blamed for particular things that it actually didn't do. Right. Um, and that's neat because that's a that's a cool little book. Um, but. Um, you know, I, as for a third party on Hinepiro Cero, I don't know um, of a third party. I do know that we can look at some of his writings and stuff like that. And in his writings, he speaks extraordinarily favor, favorably, favorably, favorable, um, yeah, <laughs> of uh, the Indians or the Native Americans that are there and. Um, uh, and the people, and he's and uh, talks about um, how much they have to offer to the to the Spaniards and, and stuff like that. Um, so if he did act monstrously, it is not in line with what he believed, uh, which just makes him a sinner like everybody else. But uh, but to to me, the history that's there, I mean, doesn't seem like. It's the same thing that these people are thinking, and that's why they're tearing down statues. Right. Oh. I think they're tearing down statues is just to tear down statues. That's probably true, too. America has a long history of enjoying the good old-fashioned riot. <laughs> Not the zoot suit riot. That's a different kind of riot. Well, actually, that was a real riot, too. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That was in, like, Los Angeles <laughs> in the 30s. Oh man, that was a race riot too. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but it's still a catchy tune. <laughs> it sure is a catchy tune. <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. Okay, so, so, I guess in well, boy, we really went deep on this. Uh, <laughs> Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily, <laughs> Let's go back to the spooky stuff. All right, so we wanted Exorcists. to talk about exorcisms a little bit. Yeah. Just in time for exorcisms. Halloween. Well, I, I liked those those podcasts. I want I, I think we should link those podcasts that you had sent me. That was kind of neat. Did you listen to all of them? Oh, yeah, I listened to all of them. Actually, what's funny is the last one I listened to was, uh, I think, when we went to... Disneyland in uh, in Anaheim Youth Day in in February, I think I listened to it. On, no, it wasn't that. It was uh, last July, I think, when we went to Steubenville. I think I listened to it on the bus, and that's when I finished listening to it. So it's you know the, about a year ago I did. But okay. what it is is it's a it's a. Uh, a series of podcasts, like what, about six or so? There's seven, yeah. <clears throat> oh, seven. And it's uh, from a company called Wondery. And there's this guy who does it. I can't remember his name offhand. And he um, he's done a few of these things called Inside, and then it's a movie title. 
And the first one he did was Inside the Exorcist, which is actually like the fourth one I heard or something. But then they also had Inside Jaws, Inside Psycho, which and they're all like horror movies. And then it's like, and then there was like Inside Star Wars. And I was like, oh, that was weird. But it was really cool the way he tells <laughs> these stories. And, you know, he does these things where he like acts out stuff and finds a bunch of information and a lot of things that they're they're based on. So, like, when he's doing Psycho, he was talking about the guy Ted Gein or something that did all these crazy things of killing people. And I don't know if he ate them or something, but he he did all this weird stuff. And he was one of the guys that kind of based the Norman Bates character on. So he's talking about this real-life dude, the author Robert Block, who wrote the book, and then Hitchcock making the movie. So it's like three different things. So in The Exorcist, it's kind of the same way where you're talking about the real exorcism, uh, the author writing a book based on that exorcism, and then making a movie based on the book based on its exorcism. So, Yeah, Yeah, it was fascinating. I like the way he told it too because he he would go back back and forth in time and try to do it from different people's perspectives, and he did voices a little bit in his storytelling and... Stuff like that. It was very much a dramatic telling of the history of what happened, and it was kind of cool. Um, but that, yeah, that exorcism that the the movie The Exorcist and the book was all based off of um, was a real, like, documented United States exorcism um, of a uh, uh, of a boy actually um, whose name is protected because of you know privacy and stuff like that. But he is uh, he's uh, been assigned a name. Yeah, Roland Doe was, or or Robbie is what they would call him often, in the in the in the text. And so, what's interesting, and I don't know if you knew this or if you looked these up, but um, the actual um, notes have been uh, made uh, public on the internet. So the actual priest notes from from the exorcism are available to to read. Oh, and really? See what the priest? Yes. Uh, which is really interesting because um, they line up a lot with like what the uh, what the Exorcist book. You could really tell the influence there because at the time, uh, I guess it wasn't a public or the notes weren't public or maybe they were. I'm not really sure. Well, and All if I they were, the you probably have to go to a library in the one <laughs> church. And go get right, it. Exactly. We're like right now they're all over the internet. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, hey, do I want to see uh, when David bought his house? Well, I can look at it on the internet, but because yeah. it's public record. Now I used to have to drive downtown and go to the office building, and you know that's how things were. You know, and the book was written what 1970 or something. 1972, I think. Two. Oh wow! So the movie's 73. The 73, right? So they didn't waste any time. No kidding, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, um, but that particular exorcism uh, was was kind of neat um, uh, because I think it's the only documented, like formally documented exorcism case in the United States. Really? I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident that that's the only formally documented exorcism case in the United States that, you know, is public record of any kind. And um, when you're saying yeah. documented, are you talking about the 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 United States government or are you talking about no. the the church? I'm talking about the church. The the church asking to have a documentation on this particular exorcism. Um, and that was kind of the that was kind of the stipulation too of the priests going into it. Uh, the priests that were that were going into it, whose names escape me because I'm a bad person who doesn't remember names. Yeah, we didn't really prep for this too much. We kind of talked. Yeah. To, we kind of talked about this the other day and said, "Oh, let's do this." Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Uh, here, I just looked it up. It was Walter Halloran. Uh, so he was the priest that was kind of put in charge. He was a uh, was a Jesuit. Um, he existed in the exorcism, and he was the one who was told to write down everything, you know, write down all this stuff um, and keep the notes. Um, and uh, that was kind of like the big deal, I guess, about this particular exorcism. Um, and so uh, so the way the exorcism went, the guy lived in Maryland, right? So the, the kid? Um, and then... And then he moved to St. Louis to, yes. uh, for the for the end of the exorcism at, at the that, university uh, at the yes yeah the university and hospital so, university hospital right 
And so, um, so yeah, fascinating case. And so that's, uh, um, I don't know if we want to jump into exorcisms from there or if we want to talk more about this case or, um, did you, uh, did you rewatch the exorcist? Oh, I, I don't have time to rewatch things. I won't, you know, <laughs> I wish I, I, I do love them. You know, what's funny is I got to see it when they re-released it. Like, I can't remember. It was, had to be around 2000 or so. I actually went with my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, I have not seen it in in for quite some time. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to rewatch it, but it was like, uh, um, because it's been ten plus years since I've seen it last, and I can remember. Um, but uh, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a free way to watch it, so I just watched some clips, and then I watched some documentaries um, about it just to figure out what's what's going on with all this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, which was kind of neat. Um, I watched a documentary on Netflix that's still on Netflix. If you're interested in watching it, it was it's called The Devil and Father Amont. Yeah, um, when I was looking up the the information on the uh, the St. Louis exorcism, and that's from the what the 50s or 60s, or no, that's older, isn't it? Which one? The real exorcism, the the St. Louis one. The St. Louis one, yeah, eight, uh, 1949. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. So when I was looking up stuff on that, I kept getting this Netflix documentary in my searches. Yeah. That's the problem. When you search something, they they just sit there and, hey, what's popular right now? We'll just throw you at this. I know. Because I watched a documentary on that 1949 um, exorcism, you know. Well, once I think I saw it on something like a Unsolved Mystery or something like that. It was the first time I saw it. And then when I was doing when I was doing discernment and spiritual um, um, spiritual guidance, no, what was it called? Spiritual direction. Yeah, spiritual direction. Oh. The priest I was doing that with, he's like, "Here, watch this movie," and I was like, "All right," which is good because if he gave me any anything to read, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> he gave you a movie about exorcisms to watch for your spiritual direction. Yeah, I guess. Wow. Why is that not done very often? No, I'm just kind of. Uh, no, I can't. I have no idea. But I'm just like, what the heck were you going through? That he's like, you need to watch this movie about the exorcisms. I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to show on how real it was or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't think he thought I was possessed or anything. <laughs> no, I was like, <laughs> do you have. Are you experiencing demonic oppression? Oh, maybe it was called The Grip of Evil. Oh, look that up. Okay, keep going. Okay, so get back to this Netflix thing. All right, so it was called The Devil and Father Amat, or A-M-O-T-H, right? But uh, pronounced Amat. Um, This uh, Italian priest who is the chief, or was, he's passed away, since passed away, but was the chief exorcist in Rome. And what was really neat about this particular um, documentary was that you actually... He allowed um, William Freed Freed what's his name Freed Friedkin Freed Friedkin what's what's the guy's name the guy who directed The Exorcist oh yeah Freakin Freakin uh, whatever his name is so that's that's they he allowed him to to be there and record um, the ninth exorcism of this woman in this uh, um, uh, that uh, was I guess a uh, patient so to speak of um, Father Amat. And um, oh man, that was crazy to watch. So I watched that on um, one and a half times speed because David doesn't have time to watch something at regular speed, <laughs> and Netflix will only allow you to watch it at one and a half times speed max. So well, if you do it two, <laughs> it's way too fast. Yeah, maybe. Okay, they talk slow in a lot of these things. Yeah. Oh, anyway, what you got? Get this. <laughs> Sunday, October twenty fifth. That's this Sunday at the West in, at the West Wind Drive-in in Las Vegas. They have the Exorcist. Oh, really? They're playing the Exorcist this Sunday. It came up. It's in at six twenty-five p.m. Wow. I'm like, no way. 
so what what turns out is that Father Amat got in got in touch with um, William uh, Freak Freakin William Freakin uh, yeah, about not Freakin Freakin yeah not Freakin yeah about uh, the exorcists and uh, he said hey you know there's some good things here because it gives some legitimacy and helps understand people understand a little bit of what I do. But there's also, you know, you took some liberties with obviously some of the art and stuff like that, like the vomiting pea soup type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and he's like, "Hey, will you will you ever let me uh, record a real exorcism?" And uh, Father Amat was like, "Let me think about it." And then uh, some years later, he recontacted him and he said, "Yeah, I'll let you record this particular exorcism." It was the ninth exorcism of this woman um, that he had had in his care for some time, and um, and he films basically the whole thing. Uh, and he says that here's the here's the stipulations: is you can't have a full camera crew in there. You can have one small camera, no lights, no special anything. Just that one little camera and whatever you can get from that, that's that's what that's what you get. And it was it was crazy to watch, because um, man, that let chick sounded sounded nuts. Like it, in the middle of the exorcism, you're like because all the rest of the sounds and all the rest of the voices, everybody else there sounds normal, but she doesn't. There sounds the sounds coming from her don't sound normal. Like if the tape's distorted um, or something. It sounds like yeah. The, if I didn't like. If if it was a Hollywood creation, I would say that that track was isolated and doctored. Um, but with it just being the one little um, and how how many voices were happening at one time with like the priest and all that stuff and uh, the other people that were there um, to do that with the little camera and microphone that he had, um, that would be extraordinarily difficult. Uh, not impossible, but extraordinarily difficult, and a long way to go um, for for a Netflix documentary. But you know, but it was really interesting to watch, um, and uh, he showed it to. Uh, and after after that, what was really cool was he went to some neurologists, showed the video to them, and they're like, "I don't know what's going on here." And then he went to some psychologists. Showed the video to them, like, oh, oh, we think it's this. And then he went to Bishop Barron, who's in there. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Who who knew he'd show up? But Bishop Barron shows up in there, and he talks to him about it. And that was kind of cool. But, yeah, it was was really neat, this this kind of, like, just documentary of an actual exorcist um, doing his stuff. That's cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, it doesn't have the highest ratings I saw. Yeah, yeah, it's it was very much a um, you. I did not like William Friedkin after watching it. I'm like, man, this guy is really into himself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It seemed like it was very much um, self congratulatory a lot through the whole thing. Um, he was his own protagonist, which was weird. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Hey, I found that one movie that I was telling you about. It's In the Grip of Evil. And it's from 1999. So, it must have been pretty new when I saw it. Because I probably saw it in like 2000 or something. But you can buy a $30 DVD on Amazon. Or a $9.80 VHS cassette. Oh, oh that actually came out in 97. That makes more sense. I probably... Yeah, maybe I did see it before in 99. Oh, it would have been because I was doing discernment before that. That would have been like 98. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's that's what it's there. Oh, yeah. Go find, your, go find yourself a $5 or a, or a $10 used cassette. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so the church recognizes four different types of exorcisms. Okay. Oh, well, I guess, no, no, three different types of exorcisms, really. So you have the exorcism of the possessed, which is like what most people think of when they think of exorcisms, right? Um, can you guess like the other one, any of the others or no? Oh, no, that's the one I would think of, but I don't know. 
What would you... Well, no, I don't know. Because I would think everything would have been possessed, right? Baptism. Baptism? Baptism, yes. There is an exorcism at, at every baptism. And so it's a... Uh, um, uh, it's uh, it's not the, it's not a exorcism of of demon, but more uh, it's the exorcism that we in, in the state of original sin that we are subject more or less to the power of the devil is the idea, and so that's the that's uh, baptismal exorcism, and so there's a there's a prayer specifically said for the releasing of the power of the devil, um, release so and so from the power of of Satan and the darkness or whatever. Um, in in the actual thing, and then they anoint him with oil, uh, and then the other the other forms of exorcism are just like other exorcisms that are done for places or things and stuff like that, like very, very much what um, Archbishop Cordelion had done, uh, where things were um, liable to uh, diabolical infestation. You know this this uh, uh, bad things have happened here and um, or are currently happening here and um, we pray for the release of the of the bad things that are ca- happening here and whatever whatever darkness is taking place from here right so uh, let me see if I can find it but the language of um, the exorcism in baptism what an excellent day for an exorcism uh, Almighty, Almighty and ever-living God, you sent your only Son into the world to cast out the power of Satan, the spirit of evil, to rescue men from his kingdom of darkness and bring him to the splendor of your kingdom of light. We pray for the name. Uh, set them free from original sin. Make them a temple of your glory and send your Holy Spirit to dwell in them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And, but in the, uh, um, in the Latin, so the extraordinary form, if you were to go to uh, and have your child baptized there, here's what they say in Latin translated into English, right? I exorcise the unclean spirit in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that thou goest out and depart from the servant of God name. For he commands thee, accursed one, who walked upon the sea and stretched out his hand to to Peter about to sink. Therefore, accursed devil, acknowledge thy sentence and give honor to the living and true God. Give honor to Jesus Christ his Son and to the Holy Spirit and depart from this servant of God name because God and our Lord Jesus Christ have uh, hath vouchsafed to call him or her to his glory and benediction and to the font of baptism. That's a little bit more intense than, like, you know, the post-Vatican II version. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, it was really interesting hearing all these things about this, you know, this boy and on how, uh, what's it called? They had to move him to the hospital and they didn't know what the heck was going on and, you know... And, like, it was over a lot of time, too. Right. 28 days, I think, is what the... If I remember right, I could be wrong, but I'm just going off of memory. But I think that um, they had mentioned uh, that uh, after 28 days, um, he was finally released from the hospital in St. Louis. Yeah, and they also had... What was it, too? What was the, the, and the other stuff too is I know that the guy from Wondery he had all those, uh, you know, you know some of the stuff was kind of you know made to, you know, the indulged a bit right. on the podcast. But I'm just trying to think is like because wasn't the thing that they said like that St. Louis Hospital or something, like they never went back into the room and locked it up and. Yeah, that that that. Um, so legend has it that uh, they never op- reopened that room to because the demon that might have still been living there, and they would hear noises and things coming from it. Or yeah, whatever. the furniture was all weird, or they couldn't sell the furniture. I don't know. Yeah. All this crazy. Is that hospital still standing? I don't know. I think that was part of the thing that they were saying that they they destroyed the hospital or. I can't remember exactly now. That's going to bug me. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but crazy story. But if we want to see, um, what's it called, The Exorcist in the theater, we can also see that on October thirtieth, thirty first, and November first, they're playing at some theaters. I mean, if you want to, wow. if you want to risk the COVID to go see The Exorcist, but. <laughs> if you want to risk um, getting coronavirus or possessed <laughs> and then jump out the window at the very end. Yeah, down the stairs. <laughs> down the stairs. <laughs> but uh, so the thing, too, is when you look at any of the uh, and it's funny, too, because it seems very movie cliche, too, where it's like, um, um, hey, uh there's this, you know, a demon and we need exorcisms and we need to do spiritual warfare. Well, better call it Catholic priest. <laughs> it's never the yeah. it's never a Protestant minister. It's always us. Well, well that's also part of the interesting thing about the the um Ronnie uh Ronnie Doe story is that um they initially went to their Lutheran well, after a bunch of other stuff, whenever they finally turned to the church, they went to their Lutheran pastor. And the Lutheran pastor guy was like I can't help you. You need to call a Catholic priest. And I'm like, that's legit right there. <laughs> it's like it's like the Lutheran guy was like, uh, sorry, this is this is one area where the Catholics they know what they're doing. <laughs> and I always find that funny too, is like everybody wants to make fun of the Catholic priesthood unless somebody's possessed. That, in which case they're like, Bring me a priest. Exactly. <laughs> And, and it's funny too, because I, you know, what's funny when we're saying it like that, because um, I, and my friend Jeanette, and you know, years ago, we we were talking about things like this, and and she would all, and she said, um, like, she's like, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that gives us validity, you know, like, right, you know, our 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 religion is more. I don't want to say like real, but you know what I mean. It has more of a substance than a lot of the other Christian faiths because of certain things like that. Like, hey, when the when the chips are down and the poop hits the fan, I'm not going to the uh, the Central Christian for this. Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm banging down Bishop's door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yeah. doesn't um, every diocese have uh, an exorcist too that we don't? Yes, that we don't know, but we know. Right, right. So um, the bishop of the diocese of every diocese is the exorcist, right? But he delegates the authority um, to a priest, and uh, the priest is meant to go out and do. Um, additional trainings to to understand you know the ritual and understand what he's up against and stuff like that um, but yes every diocese is supposed to have somebody who is delegated to do or if the bishop maybe just wants to do all the things but is delegated by the bishop and named by the bishop to be the exorcist for the diocese and it's supposed to be um, obviously confidential because you know can you imagine if you were the exorcist in the diocese and you know, all of a sudden, everybody and their mother starts calling you because they think all of a sudden they they think they're possessed or 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 they hate you because of whatever reasons, you know. And yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, for the for the priest protection, and uh, that's a, that's a secret thing. Mm -hmm. I actually think I knew of two of them in the diocese from before. Oh yeah, yeah. One I heard was is a who was it a Father Cavilia who was at St. Peter's back in the day. I think that's who it was. That that was his name. I don't know who that is. But he was there, you know, back in like the eighties and stuff. And I think he was, from what I heard. I hope that was his name too. If not then I'm protecting it for the innocent. But <laughs> Yeah, so, and then there was another guy who was out here, too. So, but I think both yeah. of those guys are dead now, so I don't know who's doing it now. Yeah. But. Neither do I. Yeah, you do. I know nothing. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but it is kind of cool that, you know, there's... 
that this is like I guess something that the Catholic Church is known for in a positive light because there's not a whole lot of that stuff. And it's kind of weird that this is the thing that like you know the people are like, oh, this is this is the thing that the Catholic Church can really help with. It's not it's not the poor. It's it's not it's not hospitals. It's not the education system. It's demons. We can help you with your demon problem. But boy, we're so good at all the other stuff. I know. <laughs> but no, this is what people want our help with. Because yeah, they always so. forget that. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, the hospital is based on the Catholic model and schooling. Yep. It's like the yep. public school <laughs> or whatnot. Or... Yep. The Big Bang Theory, the scientific method. <laughs> All this stuff brought to you by the Catholic Church. Yeah, no... But what are we known for? <laughs> We're helping people with their demon problems. That and uh, we're that and throwing a lot of guilt at people. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, and the fish on Friday. <laughs> yeah, oh yes, we do like our fish. On yeah. Fridays. Yeah. So, jeez. Uh. but this stuff is is real, and it is uh, possession is is extraordinarily rare. But uh, the Father Amat in the thing was talking about that. Um, possession was on the rise which i kind of thought was interesting uh cases of of actual possession being on the rise um uh and i wondered you know what that actually meant for the world or what was going on in spiritual warfare but um but other types of demonic activity and demonic influence are far more common in the world like uh, like a, uh, a demonic uh, obsession is is different than possession. Where like possession is like it, it, the the demon is living inside of you alongside your own soul, right? Where obsession is uh, you're receiving constant mental attacks by um, uh, by a demon. This idea of like you can't get particular images out of your head, or you can't. Um, or things, uh, or the idea of harming another person, or harming yourself, or, or whatever, and it's not, you know, something that's not physiologically related. Um, that can be can maybe considered a uh, demonic obsession. Or vexations are physical attacks on yourself, um, or by, uh, on you by by a demon. Um, and then uh, uh, demonic manifestation is kind of like the lowest level of extraordinary demonic activity. It's uh, um, the presence uh, of evil associated with a particular object or place. So that's what Cardinal Leone was was talking about. This um, uh, evil that had been done in this place is being excised out, um, and or that. Uh, you know, GV always worries about with our house, with our last, was it this house? No, it was our last house. It was our last house where there was like, there was, I don't know if it was demonic, but there was like a spirit or whatever that's um, kind of hung around for a bit until we got the house blessed and then just didn't anymore. And so that kind of. Uh, really? That kind of. Yeah. Oh, did you not know this? Oh. Story? Really? I No, I remember <laughs> okay. that. So, so this is how this went. Like um, the last house that we were in over there on, um, you know, where we off of cactus. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And so over there, when we had originally moved in, um, you know, there was this um, this weird, like you know how you can tell if there's another person in the room. Sometimes even like like if you if your back was facing the wall and you had your headphones on. And somebody walked in and was there for a minute. You you turn because you kind of sense that there's another person that's there. Um, got that a little bit and just some kind of like uh, – Jeevee's like really sensitive to that kind of stuff. And so – and then she took this picture of our kids uh, at dinner, just, just a little picture on her phone. And then uh, she sent it to me and she says there's something wrong with this picture it seems like there's something like a face or something in the corner of this picture or whatever. 
and um and so i look at it i'm like no honey there's there's nothing there but i'm like that legit looks like a face but i didn't want to tell her because like she's gonna be, <laughs> she's gonna freak out right and so so like i don't see anything it's just her imagination or whatever you're just reading into it or whatever uh but by the way i'm bringing home some holy water we're gonna bless the house <laughs> so, so i was like if he makes you feel better i'll go ahead and uh, bless the house and we'll do the whole um, the holy water in all the rooms. We'll do the formal blessing and all that stuff. And so, we did, and we didn't have those those issues anymore, um, which was really interesting uh, of what was going on there. So that's that's kind of like that idea of like a demonic infestation or um, uh, of a, of a particular location or object. Um, though, but those are all the extraordinary forms of of de- demonic activity in the world. Oof. Yeah. I like how you played that all cool. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, I can just I can throw <laughs> I some holy water on. You know, if it makes you feel a little better, no big deal. It I mean, it's nothing big, but better be safe than sorry. We're deep down your side. You're like Father John. <laughs> I'm like I'm like holy crap. That doesn't look okay. <laughs> Do you still have this picture? Yeah. Uh, GV probably does. I'll show you. Oh god. Oh, maybe I'll make it the. Uh, I'm no, make it the, the no, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> then I'm going to curse our podcast. Yeah, I know. We're trying to get viewers or listeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, gee. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh, that freaked her out a lot. But, oh, but anyway, all that is like uh, there was an exorcist that was well, was talking about this kind of stuff. This, you know, these uh, uh, the the things that you think about whenever you think about demonic possession on on TV or on the movies or anything like that and he says like this is all this is all just empty show and I like that you remember that from like the old form of uh, do you renounce Satan and all his works and all his pomp and empty show right oh no I always knew empty promises yeah, there's empty promises, but they used to um, rather than his works, it was um, pomp, his pomp or his empty show was the, was kind of like the language. Oh, really? I don't I don't recall that language. You don't recall that no. language? When was this? This is. Um, Are, is this pre-Vatican too? And you think I'm that old? It might have been pre-Vatican. No, I I, I really thought it was post-Vatican too before ninety. What was the second revision? Um, I don't remember when the second revision was. I don't remember at all. Um, 80 something? I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, Satan. I'm just typing Satan in a Google search. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. <laughs> you, you won't get that many. The power of Christ compels you! It was the, it's the Roman Missile in the uh, um, uh, Octave of Easter. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm getting. Where's Pomp? Because um, I'm like, I feel like I heard this in English rather than just reading it from a book. I mean, I know I, I conflate the two quite often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never conflate them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the – so I, the Latin word is Pomp, and that got um, that got translated to empty show or empty promises. Yeah, like Pomp and Circumstance. Yes. Pompies. So, and so I probably took the book from there, and then, and then the 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 Easter Easter Vigil one from from the other. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, that's all that stuff. That's extraordinary stuff. Is all that? Um, it's all that empty show. It's 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 Satan being like, or the demon being like. Oh, look at all this power that I have when he really doesn't have any power. It's like Gemma um, threatening. I'm just related Gemma to a demon. But, wow. But it's like Gemma. <laughs> it's like Gemma telling GV, like, uh, fine, I'm going to wipe off all your kisses then. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> what the heck does that actually mean, kid? You don't have any, you don't have any power here. You have, you have no authority of any kind. Um, and that's that's the extraordinary form of of demonic activity in the world is all this is all this like 
it it actually it I mean it might look cool, it might sound cool, but it actually doesn't mean anything um, in any kind of real powerful way. Um, versus like the ordinary form of demonic activity, which is extraordinarily powerful in our lives, and that's temptation. That's the ordinary form of demonic activity. Right. Is is temptation because that um, is a, an enticement to our will, and whenever we give in to temptation, you know that's whenever we are you know turning to the dark side, so to speak, or or allowing ourselves to um, uh, lose our soul, to forfeit our soul, and gain whatever the heck the the devil or the tempter is offering us at the time. Spooky. no that's kind of good stuff I mean I'm glad they did that kind of stuff you know up there and you know I'm glad to let people know that this is you know it's real things that we all believe in and everything and you know you know we gotta sometimes you gotta go exercise some stuff (laughs) yeah get that holy water you know we have blessed salt at the house? You have blessed salt? What, to make a circle around you? Yeah, we have excised excised salt. Um, no, because, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the other things, one of the other sacramentals that's often associated with, uh, you know, um, uh, blessing the, a home or consecrating a place um, to, to, to let demons know that holy people live here. And... Uh, we consecrate this house for God's ends and not for yours. So get out. Um, that kind of stuff. And so I've never yeah, heard was, that. I know the old pour the salt around in a circle and then you're safe in the circle thing from Hocus Pocus. Oh, is that an Hocus Pocus too? Yeah. <laughs> that was an Hocus oh, Pocus. Also, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it in I don't know how many movies that have like witchcraft or demons or whatever, and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that was also um, that was also in uh, uh, Supernatural a lot when that's when Supernatural. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, because that's that's uh, they they did a little bit of research in that that's a Catholic thing. Not that it's magical by any means or whatever, but salt is is a core element of um, and often used as sacramentals, uh, just like water. You know, water is used as a sacramental, right. um, and the the point of the sacramental is to draw what draw you and uh, and your people and your house and all this stuff um, to God to be directed and ordered towards Jesus. Um, and so I went to um, confession once, and uh, this priest said, um, "Get yourself some uh, um, excised, some blessed salt, and uh, sprinkle it in some various places around your home, uh, and you know, and just offer those places uh, to God in prayer." And that's that's my penance. And I was like, "Hmm." I've never had a priest ask me to do those things before. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I listened. So so thus I have some uh, some salt here that's uh is uh, that's in, as a sacrament. You know what's funny now you say that too cuz you were talking about houses. Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. If you remember when Mr. Martini moves into the house at Bailey Park, and and Mary and and mm, and they yes. give them three things: salt, yep. bread, and wine. And wine. Mm-hmm. Which now that you say it, the bread and wine, it's like totally obvious. But the fact is that the salt went in right. there. And now I never, I never would have. If it was just bread and wine, I would have thought of communion. But the fact that there was salt right. in there, and the whole idea was it was like, guy, what was it too? I I. I've looked it up on the internet before. I'll have to look it up again. And we've done it for people who yeah. moved into houses. When Fernando and Sheena moved into their house, we um, we gave them a gift of bread, wine, and salt with that po- with that 
the thing that all the stuff Donna Reed says in the movie about salt so that this house will never lose flavor, wine so that there's like always joy or something, and bread that there's right. always nourishment or something like that. I'd have to look. Yeah, and then you may never go hungry. Yeah. yeah. But that yeah. that would probably be something that was very old school churchy thing that they adapted yeah. into that, you know, through, you know, like how we have customs that we don't realize that they were all old church customs and stuff. Or I know. People don't realize. Yeah, I stuff. mean, things like, you know, even like holidays, like why is Mardi Gras there, you know, and stuff. Right. Or Halloween. Yeah. Good old Halloween. I know. There it is. Bread, salt, wine quote. Let me find it. Um, Brett. Bread so that this house may never know hunger, salt that life is always have flavor, and wine that joy and prosperity may reign forever. But yeah, I just popped that in, and it's like, and then they show all these things on Etsy on how you can get those things, you know, uh, what's it called, little picture frames with those. And then the 40-second clip on the videos. Wow, cool. Wow, I never would have thought that. That is funny, huh? Bread and wine. All right, cool. Well, I guess we should start wrapping up. Yeah. So. I think that's good. Yeah. So everybody, um, please uh, rate us, review us. Um, if you have any questions, likes, or whatever, you know, please, um, you know, get us on the social medias. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Among Wolves Pod. Um, you know, give us some feedback. Tell us things you might want to hear us talk about. Tell us if you think we talk too much. Tell us if you want more comic books because I'm always happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us if David talked too much because I get really excited about some of this stuff and I just start. Oh talking. yeah, you probably did on the last one, but oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I can cut a lot of that out. <laughs> Shh, they're not supposed to know we're recording these together, but <laughs> oh yeah, timey wimey, but. <laughs> uh, yeah so um, you know hit us up we'd like to know more I mean I know people are still downloading and I hope they're listening but yeah yeah you know get back to us let us know what's going on and and all that stuff and if you want to know other uh, Las Vegas Catholic centric things that's what we excel at yes we do yes but other things and whatnot. All right, well, um, anything else, David? That's all, all right, I got. Well, let's play us out. Put in, the, put in the music and we can get out of here. The power of Christ compels you! Spoo!